Hi, I'm Keith Deason, and this is From the Ground Up, a podcast about how we make what we make, the tools, the materials, and the stories behind the things we build. October 1st, 1982, Japan. You're ready. You've got the eye of the tiger. Prepare yourself, because the greatest musical listening experience of all time is at your fingertips. This is digital. With a raspy mechanical whir, the tray extends towards you. You load the plastic, gem-like disc into the matching slot. It feels like you're piloting the Death Star. With the satisfying click of a button, the drawer recedes, taking with it the promise of a new way to listen to music. A second motor whooshes to life, clamping the disc in place. A third, the soprano of this group, sweeps a laser around inside the apparatus. A fourth motor harmonizes, rounding out this quartet and spinning the disc. It's so fast. Another haptically rewarding button press, a small but infinite silence. Then, in a moment, for an eternity, the first frantic notes of Billy Joel's 52nd Street album land stingingly on your consciousness. Your entire body shakes to the rhythm of Big Shot, the antsy, urgent, coke regret anthem currently plastering your walls with hot pop rock, courtesy of your hi-fi and your new CD player. 44,100 hertz, right to the face. Harry Nyquist would be proud. It's 1928, and Harry Nyquist doesn't know who the hell you are and never will. He has just published his paper, Certain Topics in Telegraph Transmission Theory, in which he refines his earlier work on telegraph signals for the American Telephone and Telegraph Company, and explains what is now known as the Nyquist Sampling Theorem. And, since he is very dead, and you almost certainly aren't much of a reader, it falls to me to try to explain it to you. Imagine you're running down a white hallway with a marker in your hand. You run, jump, hop, crouch, whatever at whatever interval as you please, only moving forward while holding the marker against the wall at shoulder height. This is essentially how analog audio is recorded. A direct representation of a sound wave is embedded into wax or onto magnetic tape, just like your continuous mark along the wall. If someone wanted to rerun or replay your path, Jumping and crouching at the same intervals, they can do so, and with relative ease, as fast or as slow as they're physically capable, with very little trouble, and probably acceptable accuracy. That's basically how record and tape players work. We feed them a map of sounds, and they run us along that entire path. Now, while running down the hall, if you only mark the wall every second, one dot, shoulder height, every one second while you skip, leap, jump, and crawl along, you no longer have a clear path, just a series of dots. This mimics a digital sample, a binary system 
there either is a dot or there isn't, that represents an analog concept, the path that you took, sampled once every second. Now, in between the dots, there is no information. No one can accurately recreate what you did in that time, so you could increase the sample rate, leaving more points of information or more dots at shorter time intervals, and revealing more of your path, but also providing much, possibly even too much more, information for whoever or whatever is trying to recreate that same path. The real trick in all this is to find the right balance, the right formula to make a digital audio recording that sounds as if all the information is there, like analog, but in the least amount of information fed through the sample points in the wave. Too much information and you can get distortion or aliasing in the signal, which, just trust me, it's, it's bad. Turns out, as Nyquist discovered, that if you double the highest frequency in the signal, that number is the sample rate you need to avoid distortion. And, luckily, since the point of the signal is to be heard by humans, and humans can only hear a range from 20Hz up to 20,000Hz frequency, the sample rate for perfectly recreatable playback of the sound range which humans can hear would be... That's right, 40kHz or 40,000Hz, double what human beings can hear. For typical businesses setting standards reasons, Sony's proposed sampling rate of 44,100Hz was made the standard, and also became known later as CD quality audio among people who are paid to care about that sort of thing. At that sample rate, scientists realized they could encode 74 minutes of uncompressed stereo audio on one side of a 4.7-inch disc of plastic with a laser. Analog records could only hold 46 minutes total, 23 per side. Cassette tapes can record 30, 45, or 60 minutes per side typically, but contain many moving parts that are prone to unwinding or breaking, or they can just become demagnetized. No, the CD was it. Sony knew it, Philips knew it, that's why they both pursued the technology all the way up through 1982 when both released their CD players. Seemingly magical machines that would allow every soaring string arrangement on Until the Night, the last track on 52nd Street, to shimmer in your ears and down your spine as the signal slowly fades down and back to silence. The compact disc truly seems like a small miracle. Like many of the tiny miracles we've invented along the way, the CD was brought to us by both technology and plastic. Polycarbonate, to be exact. An impact and shatter-resistant polymer most typically used in safety glasses and bulletproof glass. It is the base material of a CD. The top is coated with a reflective layer of usually aluminum, but sometimes gold which allows the laser to read the disk information. Sometimes there's a label or a screen print between this reflective layer and a protective surface coating of lacquer. This all makes CDs very strong, surprisingly aerodynamic, and financially difficult to recycle. All right, time for a quick break for some ad reads. Am I the meanest? Am I the prettiest? Am I the baddest mofo lowdown around this town? Well, who am I? Who am I? I can't hear you. 
This message brought to you by Crucible Woodworks. All right, there's so many maker podcasts out there and so many great ones. But if you're like me and you try to listen to them all, you know it's not easy. If you wish someone would just come on here and tell you about some really good ones, well then you're in luck because that's literally what I'm about to do. Clampcast is like actually one of my favorite maker podcasts. Easily one I listen to every time it comes out. Every week the guys have a fresh new topic to discuss whether it's about creativity, making stuff, or just living life. Adam and Grant really put in the work to make it a consistently interesting show with great guests and co-hosts, including yours truly. So CLAMP, it stands for Creative Living and Making Projects Podcast, which is not actually something you need to know, but what you do need to know is to search CLAMP wherever it is that you search for podcasts and give them a listen. All right, back to the show. There used to be this arcade game back in the 90s called Revolution X, starring the band Aerosmith. It was a stand-up style shoot-em-up game with two futuristic plastic submachine guns attached to the cabinet aimed at the screen. In the game, you shoot red glowing bullets at the enemies who are trying to, I don't know, kidnap Aerosmith while Steven Tyler raspily congratulates you or performs live music in the background of a gun battle. There was a second button on the controller, however, and this would launch a single CD, frisbee style, at the enemies, dealing massive damage and, well, just kind of looking super cool. At a certain point, with enough ammo, you can just spray the CD launcher everywhere. You basically fight a helicopter by machine gunning every volume of now that's what I call music at it. Just a couple of years later, the tech and music industries would team up to play their own version of Revolution X but they weren't armed with a futuristic submachine gun with a compact disc launcher. They did, however, have the U.S. Postal System. One of the most famous distributors of unsolicited plastic discs was America Online, also known as AOL. From the years 1993 until 2006, AOL effectively glitter-bombed our planet to the tune of about 1 billion compact discs. So all-encompassing was their business model that Reggie Fairchild, a product manager for the company, claimed that in 1998, for the launch of their version 4.0, the company used 100% of the entire world's CD production for several weeks. According to Reggie, no other CDs were produced at that time, not for the music industry, not for Microsoft, just AOL. More reliable and believable is the claim by Jan Brandt, the mastermind behind AOL's mailer campaign, that at one point, half of all the CDs being produced in the world had an AOL logo on them. In the mid to late 90s, AOL promotional CDs were inescapable. Promises of 40, 100, 150, 500, even a thousand free hours of internet access lay waiting around every turn. Whether it was opening a magazine on a newsstand, taking your seat at a NASCAR race, diving into a package of frozen steaks, or just picking up your mail, there would be an AOL CD waiting for you. Yet the proto service provider was only a small part of the immense business of CD manufacturing and sales. As of 2007, 
after only 25 years on the market, the estimated number of CDs in existence topped 200 billion. If you took 200 billion CDs and you lined them up end to end, it would stretch to the moon and back, 22 and a half times. And it's all still here. That sort of plastic doesn't really go anywhere. And while I'm not here to lecture you about the environment or the planet, it kinda is where I keep all my stuff, so I'm gonna. Besides, no one stepped up when we were creating a lunar highway's worth of earth glitter every quarter decade, so here we are. CDs were essentially stomped out of the entertainment market when MP3 players became generally available. They were soon to be followed by the DVD and other similar media types. We still make them, we still use them for some stuff, but not nearly as much as we did 30 years ago. Despite their dwindling utility, the discs aren't gone. Not only the CDs, but the jewel cases they came packaged in. Those hinged hunks of petroleum plastic and carcinogens that most people threw out in favor of a big binder full of sleeves, they're still here too. Even though we're making way fewer of them, Every year, more and more of those, and the CDs they originally held, end up in landfills. In fact, in my research, I only found a few companies who recycle old CDs and DVDs. And even some of them are only focused on information elimination, not necessarily reversing the damage done by the plastic data disc manufacturing boom. This is typically the point where I would do a scrub-style recap and talk about what lessons we can learn from all this or whatever. Honestly though, I respect you all too much to even act like you don't already get it. Human innovation and potential are powerful drivers for how we shape our environment, whether purposefully or by accident. Here's hoping we veer more towards the former than the latter down the road. Hey, thanks for listening. If you want to support the podcast, there's a few ways you can help. First, I've opened up subscriptions on my Instagram account, at KeithDeason. It's only 99 cents a month, and you don't get anything for it. But every little bit helps me have the time to make the show better and more frequently. Secondly, you can hop over to patreon.com slash KeithDeason and donate whatever you want over there. Also for nothing in return but my gratitude and continued work on the podcast. If you got that big money, or you have something you want to tell an audience of a couple thousand makers about you can advertise on this show. Drop an email to podcastftgu at gmail.com for more info. Lastly, you can just share the show. Tell someone about it, share a story on IG when a new episode drops, tweet about it, or just tie someone to a chair and force them to listen to the entire archive. Whatever works for you. Except that last one. Please don't kidnap anyone. Okay, until next time, this is Keith Decent saying, Later, makers.